You never know when you might need a stick. It's good to see you this morning. I'm going to get you to just talk to your neighbour if you're close enough, or otherwise you can just shout. Just, just have a quick minute. And what, answer this question, what is your favourite way to worship? That wasn't very long, but um, hopefully that got you um, thinking. I'm really excited about um, what I have to share with you today. I was sitting on my iPad writing about three or four months ago, and um, an idea popped into my head. And I thought, ooh, I like that idea. This idea has the potential to take me in a direction that I've been wanting to go for some time. You know those things they have on railway tracks? Um, that change the direction of the track, sort of a clonk, and then, and then when the train's going along, instead of going straight ahead um, on that track, it jumps over to the other track and heads off in a different direction. I feel like this little idea has done that for me. It has shifted something so that already I can see my thinking and my behaviour changing. So today, I want to share with you my little idea, and I hope you'll like it too. It's called the worship reflex. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm just going to pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that all wisdom and knowledge is found in you. Thank you that you are with us, that you, um, that you love us so much. And today I pray that you would fire us up again, Lord, that you would breathe oxygen on the embers of our faith and just um, light us up again um, as we serve you. Amen. Imagine this, you turn up at church and the person at the front says, right, let's have a time of worship. But instead of playing some music, they hand out gardening tools and they send you over to tidy up the neighbour's garden. (coughs) Or what if they said this, good news, today we're going to worship God in the kitchen. You guys are on sandwiches, you guys are on drinks and you guys are on clean up afterwards. Woohoo! But could these things be worship? Can work be worship? Is serving worship? Can you worship God with a hedge trimmer or a vacuum cleaner? Can you worship God by visiting someone in hospital or by cooking dinner? Is it possible that worship is a much broader thing than we have come to think of it as? Now, one day I calculated that on a typical week, I would spend 27 minutes worshipping God in times of worship like the one we started this morning and we're going to continue later. I'm going to call that worship in song since it's centred on music, though of course it's much more than that. Nonetheless, it's 27 minutes. Now if I'm awake for 16 hours of each day, that's 960 minutes per day or 6,750 minutes per week. 
I spend 27 of those 6,750 minutes worshipping God in song. That means I spent just, spend just 0.4% of my waking hours worshipping God in that way. Less than half a percent. Let's look at that on a pie chart, shall we? There we go. The pie chart, the worship pie chart. This pie chart consists of 1,000 pies. Let's imagine that the time I spend awake each week is divided into 1,000 portions, each represented by one pie. Now, if I spend 27 minutes of my awake time worshipping God in song, that's 0.4% of my time, or four pies out of 1,000. See those little four pies there? Let's imagine that those four pies contain pork belly and apple with crackling. Mm, that sounds good. <laughs> the problem is, the other 996 pies are empty. Imagine sinking your teeth into a nice-looking pie only to discover that it has no filling, no pork belly and apple, no salmon and bacon, no tender beef steak, not even a few vegetables, just empty. Perplexing, isn't it? Because as well as the wonderful pork belly and apple worship that we have in church, with crackling, I want to also be able to worship God with the other 99.6% of my time when I'm not singing. Here's what I believe. I believe it is absolutely possible to fill every one of those 996 empty pies with worship. And not just pork belly and apple worship, because worship comes in a myriad, a myriad of different flavours. So we're going to look at some. We'll start off with what you might call corporate or collective worship. This is the time we spend together, singing, praying, reflecting, deliberately focusing our hearts and our minds on God. We submit ourselves to him. We invite the Holy Spirit to work amongst us and within us. And hopefully we experience some feeling of genuine connection with God. We often take the opportunity to pray and minister to one another too. For many people, this is the worship flavor that comes to mind when we use the word worship. It's probably fair to say that this flavor, in, uh, this flavor of worship comes in a lot of wonderfully different variations from week to week or from place to place. But there are more flavors. Let's go to the next flavor. Work is worship. Paul says in Colossians 3, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a result. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So if Jesus is your boss, there is a new motivation to do your job with diligence, with excellence, with honesty. You'll treat your workmates well, and you'll work cheerfully rather than begrudgingly. Now consider this. If you have a 40-hour-per-week job and you turn all of that into worship, do you know how many pies worth of worship that is? 
355. That's a lot of worship. So your job could be the biggest opportunity that you have to worship God all week. And no matter what your job is, it can be worship. Or it can be not worship. The only difference is how you think of it. If your motivation is, Lord, I give my work to you today as an offering for your glory, then your work has become worship. I've been doing this myself and uh, recently, and I really do find a new pleasure and enjoyment and purpose in my work um, as I turn it into worship. I'm sure that you will too. So whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as if working for the Lord. Okay, here's a popular flavor. Gratitude. Gratitude is the attitude that can turn anything into worship. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Notice that it says, give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. You don't have to thank God for bad things that happen. But there is always something to thank God for. Even in the worst of circumstances, you can remind yourself of the big picture. God loves you. You're in his hands. He's got you. And what is the result of, the grati- of, of gratitude? Joy. According to these verses, it is not God's will for you to be grumpy. <laughs> be joyful always, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let me just give you that line one more time because I like it so much. Gratitude is the attitude that can turn anything into worship. Let's look at another flavor, obedience. Obedience is such an important part of our worship. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. When we choose to do the right thing, we honor God, which is worship. When we follow those little promptings that the Holy Spirit gives us, that is worship too. And you never know what's on the other side of your obedience. Obedience is like Lego. Lots of little pieces, lots of little daily decisions that together over the course of a lifetime are built into a wonderfully unique representation of our love for Jesus over our lifetime. Selfless love as worship. You know, sometimes we don't feel like showing love to some people. But when we choose to love them, despite how we feel, we are being like God who loves us unconditionally. Again, it's our motivation to please God that turns those acts of love into worship. Serving is worship. In the Bible, serving and worship sometimes are the same word in the original language. Sometimes translated, the same word can be translated serve and sometimes worship. Um, now, you can either serve people as if they are Jesus or as if you are Jesus. Let me unpack that. Imagine that I broke my arm and you fixed it for me. You're not just helping my arm, you're actually helping me because that arm is me. In the same way, when you serve one of your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, 
you're not just serving them, you're also serving Jesus because they are his body. When you wash their feet, you're actually washing the feet of Jesus. So you can serve people as if they are Jesus, or you can serve them as if you are Jesus. Why? Because we are the body of Christ on this earth. In Mark 10.45, Jesus himself said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So when we serve those who do not yet know him, we are acting as his body, his representatives here on earth. Jesus with skin on, if you like. So you see, serving gives us so many opportunities to love people and worship God. Testimony is worship. When we share with others the good things that God is doing in our life, we bring honor to God, which is worship. Perseverance is worship. And I especially think of our Christian brothers and sisters in in different places across the world who are worshiping despite suffering terrible persecution. How precious is their worship? Extra mile worship. Going the extra mile means not just doing the bare minimum, but going, uh, doing the very best you can. What else can I help you with? It's doing for others as you would like them to do for you. And if somebody makes you carry their pack for one mile, carry it for two. Here's another flavor, respect. Respect is worship. You know, every day we interact with people And those interactions become worship when the way we treat those people is not determined by who they are, but by whose we are. You know, knowing that we belong to God helps us to treat all people with respect and dignity and with friendliness regardless of who they are. And that's worship. Honoring the unlovely. Is such a, a sweet fragrance of worship to God. Those people that might be considered unlovely by some are not unlovely to God. How happy does he feel when you honour and love them? Faithfulness, this is a good flavour. We can be faithful in a ministry, we can be faithful in prayer, faithful in visiting or caring for someone, faithful in the sense of being reliable, Faithful in serving. Noah spent 100 years building a boat. Some parents spend decades caring for disabled children. Have you ever received a gift from someone and instead of just going and buying something for you, they've spent considerable time making you something, you know, with their own hands? How much more do you appreciate a gift like that because of the time and effort and love that they have put into it? That's what your faithfulness is like to God. It's a beautiful gift of worship. Casting your cares upon God is worship. You know, when you put your trust in God in the midst of grief or traumatic life events or loneliness or depression, what are you doing? You're acknowledging to God that you need Him and that He is your strength that he is Lord over your circumstances, and that he has the power to change things. 
There's, there's a real humility in that that move God's, moves God's heart. Crying out to God might not seem like worship, but it really is. Okay, here's one that you can do every day. Behind the wheel worship. <laughs> Driving gives ample opportunity to worship God. If you can worship your way through busy traffic when you're running late, you can worship your way through anything. <laughs> when I'm stuck behind a slow driver or stuck in slow traffic, my natural response is frustration. But what if you just breathe? Ah, drop your shoulders, unclench, oh, you better leave them on the steering wheel, unclench those fists and just say, thank you, Lord. Keep your eyes open. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for this opportunity to connect with you and turn my thoughts to you. I've actually been doing this while I've been driving recently, and it really works. I've been connecting with God while I've been driving and not getting flustered, and really, it's quite beautiful. Try it. And while you're at it, why not try out Philippians 4 verse 6, which says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. I can't tell you the number of times I've done this. I just tell this verse to myself in my head and I just say, Right, Lord, this is what I need. And I tell him. And then I thank him for the good things he's done and I feel much better. And the result, you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Try it out this week, behind the wheel worship. This is one that I enjoy. Leaning on your stick worship. In the Old Testament, there's a wee story about Jacob. At the end of his eventful life, he was getting his affairs in order. And when the final detail was sorted the Bible tells us that Jacob leaned on his staff and worshipped. Some translations say he knelt at the head of his bed and worshipped. Because there are times when the, just the goodness of God um, just seems to hit you and you, you, you feel so overwhelmed with gratitude and joy and worship just kind of spontaneously wells up. Thank you, Jesus. You know, it's, it's leaning on your stick, worship. I like that. Do you like that? Yeah. That's just some of the many flavors of worship. And um, I'm sure you could tell me many more uh, to help me fill up my 996 pies. Now, in the modern day church, we have such a strong emphasis or focus on, on church worship that I think it's possible to um, forget that all these other things our worship too. Um, it's like in our heads we've sort of narrowed down our understanding of what worship is to what we do in church, when in fact every day of our life is full of opportunities to worship God. Consider that lighting rig hanging from the ceiling. There are lots of different lights on that rig, different colours, different angles, different width beams. Now, a spotlight is very good for sort of focusing attention on one thing. But if that's the only light you use, you start to forget that there's anything else on the stage. How many other ways of worshipping God are languishing in the shadows? Given that worship comes in so many rich 
colours and forms. Why not light up the whole stage? Light up your whole life with worship by using all of the lights on the rig. Yeah? Um, I, I was visiting Julia, Julia Roberts by um, the other day, and she's got this book of Psalms, but it's a colouring in book. And she had hundreds, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds and hundreds of different colours of pencils in, in, on the table. And she colours in this book. And when people um, are sitting near her, they ask to have a look, and um, she shows them the Psalms that she's been colouring in, and she gets talking to them about life and faith in Jesus, <laughs> and she prays for them. What a wonderful way of, of sharing your faith. I would call that worship with colouring in pencils. Okay, so we've talked a lot about the myriad flavours of worship. Now I want to change tack and talk about habits and reflexes. One of my favourite places in the world is Punakaiki on the west coast. Now Google Maps tells me that it should take three hours and 51 minutes to drive there via State Highway 76 and State Highway 6. Or two hours days and 12 hours to walk there via the same route. But that's not the shortest way to Punakaiki, that's just the easiest way. To find the shortest route, you simply draw a line on the map between Christchurch and Punakaiki and start walking. <laughs> it might involve a little bit of trespassing, crossing a few farms, doing a bit of bush bashing, climbing over a few mountains, Crossing a few rivers, you'd need to be reasonably self-sufficient. But that would be fun, wouldn't it? I reckon that would be fun. <laughs> but here's the question. If you were going to Penakaiki, would you take the straight line route or the state highway route? You'd take the state highway route. Why? Because that's the path of least resistance. And frankly, you wouldn't even consider going that other way. <laughs> That's exactly how our brain works. Our brain is made up of 86 billion neurons or nerve cells. Who would have thought? Between these neurons, there are connections called synapses. And if you do something over and over and over again, each time you repeat it, more synapses or connections are formed over that pathway. It's like starting with dense bush and making a little track and then making it wider and wider and wider until eventually you've got a road. Anyone who's ever learned to play the guitar knows exactly what I'm talking about. You first start and you painfully put each finger on the right fret, on the right string and adjust it and it's just... clonk. You know, it's... It's so hard, but after practice, 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 and much repetition, you can just hit that chord, boink, without thinking, because in your brain you've made a track. Yeah? And once you've made that track, you don't need to build another one each time you play that chord, because you've, you just follow the one you've already got. Now what I'm talking about here are reflexes. There are different types of reflexes. There are the ones that we are born with and those that we learn. Now, if you stand on a tack, a drawing pin, pain receptors send a message from your foot up to your spinal cord and then up to your brain, which affords you the opportunity to feel the pain 
and respond with a verbal announcement. <laughs> At the same time, your brain can organize evasive action. However, as quickly as that seemed to happen, the reflex response was quicker. Even before your brain realized that you had stood on attack, your foot had already pulled away from it. How? Well, as soon as that nerve impulse hit the spinal cord, it triggered a reflex, and it's called the withdrawal reflex. Urgent signals went straight from your spinal cord to the muscles in your leg, and your leg withdrew and pulled away from the attack. Essentially, you reacted without even needing to think about it. The painful stimulus provoked a response, the withdrawal reflex. Most reflexes bring together the actions of many different parts of the brain and turn them into one. Like electrical cable joining a whole lot of different lights together in a room so that you can just hit one switch and all of the lights turn on. God has blessed us with a whole host of reflexes. They protect us from harm and they make things work better. Generally, they come pre-installed, but you can also acquire reflexes. If you do something over and over, it soon becomes a habit. And the more ingrained that habit becomes, the less you have to think about it. You just automatically do it. Your habit has become a reflex. Now, acquired habits and reflexes can be either helpful or unhelpful, depending on what they are. Consider these reflexes. The anxiety reflex, the grumbling reflex, the negativity reflex, the me first reflex, the anger reflex, the stewing reflex, the negative self-talk reflex. Many of these reflexes are tied in with our old nature. Compare that list with the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are all habits that form as you follow the Holy Spirit's leading. And in time, they can grow to become a most excellent set of reflexes. I've spent some time talking about reflexes now because they are so important in determining the way that we think and act and respond. Yet we are so often quite oblivious to the fact that they are even there. Or if we are aware of them, we have sort of resigned ourselves to the fact that, oh, well, that's just the way I'm wired up. Yes, exactly. That's exactly the point. But what if you change the wiring? Mm. And how do you do that? And how does this relate to living a life of worship? So now we come to the crux of the matter, the, the thought which has captured my imagination, and it is the worship reflex. Imagine you determined to make everything you do an opportunity to worship God. Not just Christian-y, church -y things, but the normal activities of your daily life. And imagine if turning everything to worship became such an ingrained habit, it became a reflex. The reflex to trump all reflexes. One that would displace other ingrained reflexes, such as the worry reflex and the grumble reflex and the me first reflex. How wonderful would that be? 
How liberating to be free of those old reflexes. But how? How do you do that? Have you ever had a song, a song stuck in your head? This happens to me all the time. Around and around it goes, and I just can't stop humming it or whistling it. <laughs> Everyone else gets sick of it as well. The only way to get rid of that song, I've discovered, is to start humming another song. <laughs> your brain cannot, cannot sing two different songs at the same time. It's exactly the same with reflexes. You can't complain and give thanks at the same time. You can't worry and worship at the same time. It's either one or the other. So the way to get rid of an unhelpful or unwanted reflex is to replace it with a better one. And I reckon that the worship reflex has the potential to transform our thinking about everything we do and completely change our response to everything that happens to us. Paul talks about worship in Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual or reasonable act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. He might as well say, do not conform any longer to the reflexes of your old nature. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's exactly how the worship, what the worship reflex does. It changes why we're doing something and how we respond to it. So instead of worrying, we worship. Instead of complaining, we worship. Instead of getting frustrated, we worship. Instead of giving yourself a hard time, you worship. Instead of feeling sorry for yourself, you worship. Instead of surrendering to disappointment or despair, you worship. With the worship reflex, we can worship our way through anything. Let me offer you the following quick thoughts to help you rejig your thinking about worship. God doesn't need to be in the center of your thoughts for you to be worshiping, but rather in the center of your life. Many of the flavors of worship that we were talking about earlier require you to actually be focused on what you're doing. When I'm cutting out a mole on someone's arm, <laughs> I've got to concentrate to make sure I put the, put the knife in the right place, you know? Make sure I get the depth right and get those stitches just in the right place. I'm focused on that. But that doesn't mean any less that I'm, that I'm worshipping any less. It doesn't mean that my work is any less worship because I'm focused on, on, on what I'm doing. God doesn't need to be in the centre of your thoughts for you to be worshipping. Both the expected and the unexpected provide opportunities to worship and honour God. Even things that go wrong can be an opportunity to, to honour God in the way that you respond. There is power in a pause. Even just for a few seconds, turn your thoughts toward God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Keep up the conversation. Recalibrate. 
Those little pauses in your day are so powerful. Worship is not a feeling. That means you don't have to be feeling all warm and fuzzy to be worshipping. You know, you should not equate how good you're feeling for how well you are worshipping. Gratitude is the attitude that can turn every situation into worship. I know I said that before, but I like it so much that I wanted to just put it in here and say it again. Gratitude is the attitude that can turn anything into worship. And finally on that little list, um, to choose worship is to choose joy. Joy is the oil that lubricates life. So if you want to be one of the most cheerful people on the planet, choose worship. All right. Um, As I draw to a close, there's just one uh, final flavor of worship that I want to share with you. It's called This Life Only Worship. In um, heaven, um, I'll just read that part from Revelation, Revelation 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. What this means is that our only opportunity to worship God through hard times and difficulties and uncertainties is now. It's such a beautiful part of our relationship with him and we won't have it in the future. This is our time to discover God as our provider, our comfort, our strength, our light in the midst of darkness. It is this life only worship. And I suspect it just might be more precious, um, more precious to God than any worship that we might offer in heaven. Let's cherish the opportunity to worship God as we walk on this earth because our grateful, humble, response to his love is something that I believe God will cherish forever. Well, I hope that something in what I've said today has shifted the tracks for you in the way you think about worship. You know, a small change in direction that you persist with can take you to quite a different destination. So if you like the idea of becoming a master of the worship reflex, start today by asking yourself this simple question. What opportunity does this activity, this event, this moment give me to worship and honour God? And if things are tough, just remind yourself, I can worship my way through this. I'd like to introduce Zoe Hunter um, I asked Zoe if she'd write a song for this um, for the service, and she's just written a real beauty, and it just crystallises some wonderful thoughts, and it's a beautiful um, song of worship as well. I'll just move this in here, way, shall I? So, um, well, she's just setting up. Thank you very much for listening um, to me, and I hope that there's been something something helpful in there. Um, 
Zoe's going to wrap it up for us, and then we'll um, move on with the rest of our service. So thank you very much. Hello everybody, my name is Zoe, just in case you didn't hear that. Um, I'm a little nervous for this, so instead of nervousness, I'm going to choose wo uh, worship. Um, in this song, it doesn't have a name yet, but it's got some Te Reo Māori in it, so in the chorus there's Whakamoimiti kite atua, which means, Whakamoimiti means praises, and atua is like Pretty much in this context, it means God, but it has it has a big meaning. So in this context, Bakamoimiti kite atua, praises to God. We have Hallelujah, which is Hallelujah. Um, Keikone te atua, which is You are here, God. You are here, Lord. And then what's the other one? Kororia kite atua. Kororia means glorious, so in this context it means glory to God. Yeah. Frustration and shame Often get the best of us Like when expectations All ourselves aren't met Slow down, take a breath Imagine what the world could be There is still hope And his name is Jesus Every situation that we face There's a chance to worship you, oh Lord. Every situation that we face, there's a space to worship you, oh Lord. I can worship my trust in you you give comfort to us 
us through our darkest days. Slow down, take a breath. Lay all of your burdens down. We will find peace at the feet of Jesus. Oh, oh, oh. every situation that we face, there's a chance to worship you, oh Lord. Mm -hmm. Every situation that we face, there's a space to worship you, oh Lord. I can worship my way through this. I'll find refuge in your arms. Thank you. 